And there's this belief that we grow up with that it's like everything on the to-do list needs to be done first before we can like earn mm-hmm. our pleasure. We have to earn our rest. We have to earn our good sex, right? We're not just stopping in the middle of the day when there's laundry to do and a project to be done. We're like doing the things first and then feeling good is on the back burner. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're tuning in to episode 215 of the Well Woman Podcast. Today on the show, we're talking about a topic that's very close to my heart and something that I know I have experienced a handful of times in the last 10 years of running Wellsome, my business, and that is feminine burnout. To chat about this topic, I'm joined by the beautiful Dr. Jordan Wiggins, who is an expert on feminine burnout. She's a pleasure expert, a naturopathic doctor, and an author. She's also the CEO of the Pleasure Collective, a coaching community for CEOs and founders who want to be badasses in the bedroom as they are in the boardroom. She's the author of The Pink Canary, an investigation into the hidden secret to optimal women's wellness and the host of her podcast, The Pleasure Principles. She's also a regular contributor to many online platforms. And today she is contributing to our platform here, The Well Woman Podcast, and sharing with us the insights to feminine burnout. We are talking about what is feminine burnout? How does it impact our wellness, our well-being as women and our cycles? Not to mention, we're talking about the impact of feminine burnout in the rest of our lives, including libido and what we can do about it. This is a really juicy episode. We go off on a few tangents, but we also get very, very deep into understanding the roots of feminine burnout, not just here in our current world, but also the past experiences over the last few generations and how that's contributing to potential feminine burnout today. Dr. Jordan, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Emma, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chat. It's taken a little bit to get you here and for us to arrive on the same Zoom call at the same time. And I'm glad that we finally have. And we made it. We did. We did. So thank you so much for being here. I'm very grateful for your time and um, and you sharing your passion with us. But before we jump into some really fantastic topics today, Tell us what day of your cycle are you on today and how are you tuning in, checking in with yourself? I am on day 28 and I have been trying to rest and relax, feeling a little, you know, a little edgier than usual. Great word. I love that. I'm going to use that. We're using that word edgier. I'm on the edge. Don't, don't push me. Yeah. Like the end of luteal phase is a little, you know. <laughs> Yes, I definitely do know. And I'm sure our listeners know too. So thank you for sharing. Now we're going to be talking about feminine burnout. And I know this is like your mojo, (laughs) you know, of a topic you absolutely love. And this is why I wanted to have you on the show to share about all of this, but share with our listeners, because there's going to be a number of listeners who have never heard of you before. So who is Dr. Jordan Wiggins and how did you get into this realm of talking about 
you know, pleasure and feminine burnout and, you know, being the creative um, pleasure collective. So tell us your story. (laughs) Well, we could spend the whole time just talking about that because of how many times I have had (laughs) burnout and okay. So I had hormonal issues, which this is, we are going back like before my pre-med degree, before I decided to become a naturopathic doctor. So um, I had, which we now call PMDD, but Mm. definitely people were not getting diagnosed with this like 20 years ago. Um, So at the time it was like depression, anxiety, it was different things. And the solution was take hormonal birth control, which made me feel so much worse. Um, So that was sort of my first little initial personal experience. And with that, um, especially on birth control, I had migraines. I would bleed for like three weeks out of the month. And the doctors were just like, oh, just keep taking it. It'll regulate eventually or switch and try this one or that one. Mm. And um, I think like my depression was almost even worse at that time. Feeling out of control of my body and my sexuality bleeding three weeks a month. Not that I'm against period sex or anything, but just, you know not the, um, not the experience that you want to be having in your early, like late teens, early twenties. So I went on my own journey and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to figure this out. And I did my pre-med degree and was realizing through physiology and nutrition and my research methods class, I'm like, wait a minute, like the pill doesn't see pills don't seem like the answer for me things. Like, if we eat a certain way, and how that changes our cellular expression or our hormones. And so eventually, I found my way to naturopathic medicine, and was able to help myself got got off the pill regulated my cycle naturally. And I thought, now I'm going to go and do this for thousands of women, which I did. I opened a women's health clinic and hormones and women's autoimmune diseases was a massive, massive part of what I did, what I helped women with. And I was, I was awesome at it. I loved it, but there was this missing piece, this women saying, I'm not as happy as I used to be. I don't feel like myself. I have so much to be grateful for. And like, I just, I'm not happy. It feels like there's something missing. And they wouldn't really have words to like that. That's what they would say. So when I'm trying to diagnose this problem, like through the Chinese medicine lens, nutritional medicine, or any of the tools that I had as a naturopathic doctor, And it's like, this kind of looks like depression, but it's not really. And I talk about this in my book, The Pink Canary. It's anhedonia and that 
is a diagnostic criteria for major depressive disorder. So it means the inability to feel pleasure or joy. Things that used to make you happy don't make you happy anymore. And I was realizing that it was like, that was the problem, or that is something that balancing hormones and sleeping better and the extra weight was coming off, energy was coming, like things were really good, but there was this sort of piece missing and the, my patients couldn't really define it. And I couldn't really define it after you have like a couple thousand women Mm. and you see this pattern and we're crossing off all these things on the list. Like menstrual cycles are are good. They're pain-free. Like things are going good. I was like, what am I dealing with? (laughs) What is going on? And I now call that feminine burnout, which is a disconnection from our feminine, like our feminine energy and our pleasure. Because feminine energy is, is love energy. It's life force energy or root chakra, depending on how you want to look at it. So that is sort of what I realized that this problem that we didn't even have words for was affecting my patient population. And then like after writing my book and speaking internationally and that kind of thing, it's like, oh, this is a worldwide problem affecting millions of women. Hmm. Wow. I think, um, it's so interesting that you say that about, you know, I'm seeing thousands of women and there's this missing piece. And I find that, and I'd love to get your outlook on this, that the way that the world is really, you know, particularly in the West is really kind of socially, economically put together is that we strive for more, but we forget to have the joy and the pleasure along the way. And it's like that want more, be more, do more, have more. But then we forget to like, let's just smell this beautiful flower I'm walking past on my way to the office. Or how do I feel and breathe in the fresh air? And I think that's that sensuality, sexuality, you know, piece you were talking about with the feminine. So exactly. mm, I see that a lot myself as well. And I think feminine burnout is yeah, it's a very interesting topic. Hence why we're here talking about it because a lot of people are in denial <laughs> that it's even a thing. And they're so us- disconnected, right? So, so was I, and I can say that because I was. So tell us, like you shared a little bit about what feminine burnout is. You said it's really being disconnected from your feminine energy. Can you dive deeper into that? Cause people are like, yeah, but what even is the feminine energy? Is it having nice nails and getting your hair done? Or is it wearing really beautiful, luscious feminine clothing? Like what is feminine energy? I feel like a lot of people get really stuck on that essence. Yeah. And there's so many, and I almost, and my team has been like, they want me to change the name because this is just a little behind the scenes for you, but (laughs) because there's so it's become so popular on Instagram and things in this like esoteric, like women in their early twenties with Instagram accounts, like in these flowy dresses and stuff, like telling you about how to be feminine. 
And it can be very repelling, especially like you mentioned in Western culture where we really value masculine. And so Mm. they almost want me to change the name because they're like, you're going to turn people off. You're like, you're the women that you could help will be put off by this. So let's talk about what it is and how it shows up. So physically we see things like high functioning depression and anxiety where you're still like getting through your days and sometimes not, but where you're managing a lot, you're a caregiver, like an over-functioner, really high achiever. So you're always doing, you're always on, you like, and we like to think that we're like these recovering perfectionists or we're trying like, oh, I've let that go or, you know, but we're always putting others first, taking the temperature of a room, like, how does that person feel? Or what about my kids or the company that I run and ourselves and our pleasure and our joy is the last thing on the to-do list. Mm. And that we usually see that with sex as well. Cause that's like, that's about feeling good. Sex is for pleasure. A lot of the time, sometimes it's for procreation, but a lot of the time that we're being intimate, it's to feel good. And there's this, I call the women that I work with, um, super women. And there's this belief that we grow up with that it's like everything on the to-do list needs to be done first before we can like earn Mm -hmm. our pleasure. We have to earn our rest. We have to earn our good sex, right? We're not just stopping in the middle of the day when there's laundry to do and a project to be done. We're like doing the things first and then feeling good is on the back burner. Mm. So what that does to us physically is when we're in this sympathetic nervous state, the fight, flight, freeze, we start to see like adrenal and cortisol issues, hormone issues. So not being able to sleep through the nights, having night sweats, gaining weight that's a little harder to take off, menstrual cycle irregularities or bad, like painful periods. Um, and, and sometimes this, this can, right? Like I treated a lot of women. So sometimes it was like an endometriosis diagnosis or something. Sometimes it was like unexplained infertility and went and we would do all the things and I'm always recommending that people have the right medical team and support. But a lot of these women, it was like, you need to slow down. We need some more yin. So, and when I think of feminine, I think of it in terms of Chinese medicine, like the yin and yang, because that's what I was trained in for school. And I remember thinking in my second year Chinese medicine class, like, I have no yin. I'm all yang. So that's, I tattooed it on my wrist to look at it. (laughs) The the balance of yin and yang. Um, But I realized that's just such a, a problem. Like even 
crashing, you know, in the afternoon and needing caffeine or sugar or salt to keep yourself going. Like there's just so many caffeine, like how many cups Stimulants. of coffee do people drink? Yeah. Per yeah. day. Right. Just to keep us going, keep us functioning at that level. But when we don't feel joy, when we can't relax without guilt, like if we sit down to just do nothing and then we're thinking of the to-do list, right? Or we're having sex and thinking of the to-do list. So it's really, it's impacting women physically. It's impacting them like emotionally and as well as that like spiritual life force mm. um, energy as well. So I, I hope that helped, but it's, <laughs> it's a big topic. It is a huge topic. You're so on the point. And um, no, it definitely helps. I think for everyone to, to get a bit of a, an outside look that it's actually not just someone being burnt out and needing extra sleep. Like let's just say a mother after three or four months of giving birth, like it's not just that postpartum, you know, it, you know, burnout and fatigue. That's not just the burnout. There's so much more to that. And we could go so deep. I don't know whether you'd like to go this deep, but yes. if you think about it, you know, patriarchally, we have been living in a very patriarchal based world in the West for like the last, like, let's just say 500 years. And well, you know, since the witch burnings back in like the 16th century, 17th century. And in the early 1900s, women couldn't like, I've been talking about this a lot lately. So this is interesting. It's coming up, but women couldn't even buy a house. Women couldn't even have a bank account. Women couldn't even earn money. And this is something, you know, I know you're based in the US and I'm in Australia, so it can be a little bit different in the different countries, but I very much feel that there's a very unhealthy feminism going on in the world. That's like anything you can do, I can do bleeding. And I'm like, but do I have to, like, do I really want to? to exactly. And I think because we have so much like red thread lineage within us. That's like, oh, well, I can have a bank account now and I can make just as much money. But people are forgetting that, yes, we have more, you could say in inverted brackets, rights as born females or those who identify as female. But we also have very different purposes on the planet and our purpose on the planet is to be a reproductive home, a reproductive house, you know, to be that person who reproduces the population. And therefore our desires and needs need to adjust to accommodate that so that we are fully supported. And when we don't do that, there's a huge link to infertility or challenges to conception or time to conception, TTC, as they say, um, or time to pregnancy, because we are so led in that masculine way that we forget that, hang on a second, I actually am a lot of yin too. And how can I bring that in? You know, so I'm always like yin is in, how can we bring that into your life? And it's a topic I talk a lot about with clients and I teach about in cyclical school is that you're never going to be 50, 50, and it's not about being 70, 30, but it's really about understanding the balance between the two. So what is your outlook on that? And I just went on a huge rant, but 
I'm sure you can resonate. I love everything that you said. And because sometimes <laughs> I don't know how deep to go on these things, but literally everything that you said is what I talk about, what I talk about on my podcast and in my groups. And it's amazing just on conception, for example, how many women in my medical practice and how many women in my group program that when we were focusing on yin and being in stillness and celebrating and joy, they got pregnant. Mm. And again, we were doing blood work and we had doctors. Like it wasn't like that. I'm just, I don't want people to think that this is all completely woo, but when they had the balance, then we were like their HPA access and their cortisol dysfunction and their hormone imbalances and inflammation, all of these things that were impacting their ability to conceive when they could, what's going to make me feel good in this moment Mm. when they could rest without guilt, when, and even celebrating is another big thing because there's so many women and, and again, Western culture, but more, better, faster, like to even stop and just think, wow, like, look at what I've accomplished and look at this life and like revel in it, Mm -hmm. but you're on to the next thing, right? You've accomplished the next milestone. So, or this idea of, well, I'll focus on that when, like after this next quarter in my business, after my kids are done this busy time that they're going through or when I, whatever, but just all that, the excuses, all of the excuses to not actually tune in and do this work, mm. which I get it. And I was there too. And I almost, it was a challenge for me in the beginning because I really identified as feminist. And that whole idea of anything you can do, I can do bleeding was something that I like, that was in my my essence, I believed that. And I was like driven and on all the time. And then this, when I was examining it for my patients and for myself and what was missing and what was going wrong, where was our energy blocked? And it kept coming back to the, but yeah, do we have to? Mm. Like, so I'm done being like tough and overworking and spreading myself thin and Like I want to be cared for and I want to be loved and I want to rest and I want time for joy and to play Mm -hmm. with my kids. And I want a successful business that's aligned and easy. And, and yes, I'm taking, like, I'm taking action. I'm doing the doing I'm, there are yang things that I'm doing. Like I am on this podcast with you right now. Like I am doing things. So I'm not Mm -hmm. sitting around like, waiting for things to happen reading your book on the beach (laughs) yes like yeah with all the instagram stuff that we see right the the glorified version of the feminine and i don't think um some of it is is hard right Mm -hmm. like we think that i think a lot of the reason why people resist this or don't want to look at it because there's this fear of the feminine energy 
and we've been taught to fear our sexuality and our power, right? To create life. And there's this fear of if I tap into this or I access it, what's going to happen? Am I going to blow up my relationship, my career? Because there's this desire for more, mm. more connect and, and more in a, in a yin way, like more connectedness, more fullness, more being, not more like more money and more employees and more like from the Western culture version of more, but more fulfillment, more mm. ease, more. So, so people are scared. Like they're, they're truly scared. And I'll be on calls with women and they'll say like, everything you say speaks to me, your podcast, your Instagram, like it, every word that you say speaks to me. And I'm scared to do, I'm scared to do the program Mm. because of they're like, what's gonna, what's gonna happen. So that deepness, like the, the fear from the witches being burned and that fear being indoctrinated into us for generations has its impact. And that's why one in four women is on an antidepressant. And that rate, that has increased 65% since the year 2000. And I bet if we had newer stats since COVID, it was probably like, it was on track to be one in two. And I'm not against medication when it is needed and for the right indications, but women are prescribed antidepressants at twice the rate of men. Like they're two times as likely to be on an antidepressant. So are we like that much more depressed than men or is there something bigger going on? Mic drop. One in (laughs) one, I got another one. One in two women suffers from sexual dysfunction. Mm. And I think that's underreported. Because sexual dysfunction is pain with sex, difficulty getting aroused and staying aroused, difficulty orgasming, and issues with desire, like wanting sex. And that's not just mental or physical. It's all of it. So it's not like, oh, your body's broken, therefore you can't have an orgasm or you can't reach you know, peak orgasmic state. It's like, well, what else is going on that's hindering that ability to, to just let go. And I love what you mentioned about your clients, you know, being on the phone, like, I just, I love it all, but I just can't do it. And that's the, the fear of just letting go. And I'll never forget a few years ago, um, a friend of mine, um, you know, who we met through Instagram actually, and the good old Instagram social media world connects you with everyone around the world. So it's very positive, but it has a lot of negatives too. Pros and yes. Cons. And um, she had quite a large following and we're talking over a hundred thousand followers. And she was so scared to take two weeks off to just have two weeks of not sharing a post, not sharing a video. And I was just like, really? I said, what's the worst that can happen? She's like, well, people might unfollow me. I'm like, I can guarantee you people will probably still be there when you come back and you'll probably get more response when you come back because people missed you. And so after she, it was about the fourth or the fifth day after she had a break, she's like, oh my God, this feels so good. And then after two weeks, she's like, you know what? I'm going to go for three weeks. And she ended up having a whole month off the Instagram. And I think that's just one small little part where we feel like we have to turn up, but 
when we can actually feed ourselves first, and I'm sure you know these analogies, but like you provide yourself with oxygen on the aeroplane if it's crashing as opposed to your child or the people next to you. And that's because without you, nothing around you can operate, you know, fun- you know, function well. And a lot of us just forget that. And I've definitely lived through some burnout times in my life, 100%. And I'm sure you have too. Do you have any um, that you would love to share? And what are the things that helped you realize that you were in burnout? And then what were the things that you did to help you replenish after burnout? Yeah. So I had my women's health clinic. So, you know, you do eight years of school plus exams and extra stuff. So it was like 10 years of studying like post-secondary education. And I had started my business and that was going really, really well. People were flying to see me and I was, my hair was falling out. I had acne. I wasn't sleeping through the night. I had night sweats. My marriage was falling apart. Like I, I was, I was yang. I was masculine. I was, you know, doing the things and the goals that I had set for myself, but I wasn't being, I wasn't enjoying. I wasn't and like, yes, I went to yoga and yes, I got my nails done. And I did. So like, I thought to myself that I was doing self-care and I didn't know how to rest. I didn't know how to receive. I didn't know how to celebrate. Like I, none, I didn't have any of the feminine characteristics that would have been required like for my health, for my relationship, and even for my business. Cause like I was showing up, but I was showing up in a way that was exhausting. And I had a wait list, like I had to stop taking new patients. I was charging like double or triple what most people were charging hourly. And like, it was insane. I thought, okay, I'll, you know, you try and make those decisions from a business perspective. Like, okay, well, if I up my prices, then people will see my associates and they've learned from me. So it's all going to be like, it was such an insane people need time in my them. life. <laughs> but that, but even that, right. Like that's, that's ego. That's the white coat stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and then I realized that I was so bogged down because there's only so much time in a day and only so many patients that you could see. Totally. And really what I wanted to do is help the millions, billions of women that are affected by this. But how do you do that when you're caught in that loop and in that masculine clinical model? But things like my book, when I can hear from women internationally that are like, that I feel so seen or like they're listening to my podcast and they send me a DM and they're from everywhere, right? Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to have that 
reach unless, and thank goodness, COVID made a big difference for me. Like I'd been putting these things in place to shift how I approach life. Cause it was like, I'm, I'm out of integrity here. I'm teaching women about pleasure and joy and all those things. And, and I am so busy trying to, for that mission that I've lost that for myself. Mm. So that was a big, a big burnout point for me. Like, and I'm divorced and I closed the doors to my medical practice. That was by choice a few years later. Um, but yeah, it was like, I can do what I want to do and have the impact that I want to have. And it can look and feel a whole lot different. Mm, it, it, it definitely can. And I think some people just need a role model like yourself demonstrating that it is possible. And I love the story about the, the guy who ran the four minute mile you know, no one had ever run the four minute mile before. And then he ran the four minute mile first person in history. And then all of a sudden a week later, someone else did the under a four minute mile. And then it was all of a sudden a thing. Everybody was like, oh, well, these guys have done it. I can do it too. And now so many people run under four minutes in a mile. Um, mm -hmm. For those who, of us who live in Australia, we don't follow miles. So they're probably like, what the hell is a mile? But anyway. Yes. Um, and technically like, I am Canadian. So well, I don't go. really know what a mile is either. <laughs> So we're talking like 2.6 <laughs> kilometers or so. Um, but I love that story because sometimes we just need someone to demonstrate that it is possible or how to do it because we we with you know for eternity as human beings, we've always learned by you know observing and observation. That's how kids learn. And I think that if we have people to observe and to witness as they take the journey and that we can have trust and, you know, connection with those people, like yourself, people trusting you and you, they can go, Oh, actually, well, if Jordan can do it, I can do it too. And I think that's, you know, one way that people can actually start to, you know, awaken to that knowing that it's possible. And that's in my groups. Like we joke that pleasure is contagious like mm. feeling good is contagious. And some women come into my world or like my podcast and they're scared of the word. Like there's almost a resistance to the word pleasure. Mm. And, and when I'm talking about it, I'm talking about like in all aspects of life, not just sex and intimacy, like how in career. And I think that is why we're seeing a mass exodus of women out of corporate and starting their own thing because that that lifestyle leads to to feminine burnout and we do need people leading the way we showing do. us that it can be done I'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course, a simplified self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook. 
This is your chance to discover everything you wish you had have been taught at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions and identifying PMS and your cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over thousands of women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. Use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off at wellsome.com forward slash shop. Wonder Woman is coming back. And when I say that, I mean like the society of the women being the leaders and the role models and, you know, everyone turns and we, you know, we have villages raising children and communities working together. And we now know in that situation that we can ask for support and that it's okay for you to hire someone to help you because you can't do everything on your own and you also value time for pleasure. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've definitely had my fair share of burnout moments. And something I'd love to share is my best friend, Amber. She said, this is a couple of years ago, I'd actually hit huge anxiety, like the worst I had ever had in my life. I'd never had anxiety really, but I'd found out that I was um, pregnant through an unplanned pregnancy, um, you know, after a very traumatic breakup. And, you know, I'd already broken out in hives and, you know, I was very depressed about, do I terminate? Do I not terminate? And felt very, very deep and alone. And at the same time, I was also running my business and turning up and doing all the things. And my best friend, Amber said, Gemma, you probably are the person who can do the hardest. You can do everything the hardest. Like you you just execute, you do, but you need to rest harder than you do. And so my motto now is do hard, but rest harder. And Mm, I love it. So, you know, I can, I can have bouts of, you know, a month or two months where I'm do, 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 but then I'm like, okay, now I've planned all of this rest time to recuperate. And there are things you can do whilst you're in those little times of push, especially as a business owner, if you've got like a launch coming up or a project you're finalizing and it is possible, but it's also possible to live in a balance all the time too. And so I love focusing, you know, anytime I'm I'm like, okay, wow, I'm really doing hard right now, you know, doing all the things. Okay, how can I actually rest harder? And it's been a great motto that's really got me through a lot of a lot of things. And for the I've been a you know self-employed business owner since I was 22. And I'm now I'm 37 this year. And I've always spent minimum three months of the year traveling overseas. And that's because I'm like, I can go and do all the things, but then I also want to go and have all of this great time because I can actually have a great business that pays me well whilst I'm traveling, but I also deserve to do the travel too. And I think it's important to, you know, to find your own balance. And if you can rest harder than you, than you do, in that tra- I'm not I'm yet to embrace the transition to motherhood with birthing a child but I'm I've seen it in friends that if you can rest really hard come postpartum you are familiar with resting hard and you're familiar with asking for support and I think that is one of the most fundamental things for middle-aged women to receive support and know how to ask for it before they get to motherhood so that they don't hit those postpartum things Oh, yes. I know that personally with postpartum and I've seen it with friends and patients and that's in just motherhood, especially for super women, like that we do it all and we 
go hard to not have control and not be able to plan and have your whole life around this being that needs you all the time around the clock, especially if you're breastfeeding, right? It's, it's a lot and it's a lesson in needing to ask for help Mm. and surrender and letting go and all of these beautiful feminine characteristics, which, yeah, I would not be who I am without my daughter. I wouldn't that like my teaching wouldn't be at the the level that it is because that that motherhood taught me postpartum taught me and like my hormones if I had hormonal issues before they were managed for years naturally and then postpartum so this would have been like my second really bad feminine burnout episode um over the last year, I've been so much healthier the last four or five months, but my hormone fluctuations were triggering something called cyclical vomiting syndrome. I don't know Mm. if you've ever heard of that. It's a really hard to diagnose rare thing. It takes most people eight years to get a diagnosis. It gets misdiagnosed as food poisoning, all this weird stuff. But thankfully you know, with my background and knowledge, I was able to diagnose myself and see the right people and kind of move that process along. After four months, I thought it was my hormones. I thought, oh, this will regulate once I stop breastfeeding, like, or a few months after I start, stop breastfeeding and it didn't. And then it was like, okay, we need to figure out what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is like severe, you end up in the hospital or like I was giving myself IV fluids because I was so dehydrated from vomiting. And like, again, this like bottom, like this rock bottom of, of needing so much help and support on a level that I never had before. So I thought like, oh, motherhood, like I learned this lesson on surrender and letting go and asking for help and it. Oh no, I did not. I needed to, (laughs) I needed another one. There's an up level to that. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's great. Thank you for sharing. Um, It's like when you, you feel like you've reached the peak of your business or the peak of your relationship and you're like, oh, actually there's possibility of more love and more passion and more pleasure and more depth to the burnout. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. I also do feel that as a teacher in any topic, that life throws you lessons for that topic to you know enable your teachings to you know skyrocket to a new level. And um, as much as that sucks sometimes, it's definitely you know gives you a whole new perspective to the level, right? Yes. Oh yes. I've t- I talk about these things not because it's some like theory or something that sounds cool on Instagram, but because I have fully <laughs> lived it. And it's that, I think it's that transformation, like giving, doing, giving birth, like that process is hard. It's painful. And you get something so beautiful on the other side of it or same, like starting a new business or forging your own path. Like it's not easy. It's scary and it's hard. And 
what comes out of that creation is so beautiful. So mm-hmm. it's, and I think that is why people resist the idea a little bit, because that's, I call it the feminine change process mm-hmm. that I teach. And, you know, we expect it to be easy and, and painless and, and that kind of thing. And it, it is, it is far from it, <laughs> but what's on the other side is so beautiful. It's worth it. Definitely a journey that is um, very rewarding. That's that's what I can say after experiencing my own burnouts. <laughs> um, now, I'd love to switch gears and ask you the question of, well, what can we do if we feel like you're listening to this and you're like, that's me. I'm in that burnout that Dr. Jordan is telling and talking about right now. This is me. How do I change this? So once we realize that we have been in this burnout state or we're moving through the burnout state, what are like maybe the top five things that we can do to support ourselves to replenish? What would you suggest? So top five burnout things. So one is grace. Like the first and foremost is we have to find a way to give ourselves some grace because this is an intergenerational problem for women. And I often find there's this idea of, well, I should be able to do it all. And I want to, like, why is this happening? And shouldn't I be able to hack this or fix this? Or So first and foremost is grace. Second is space. You need to create some space for yourself, whether that's time in your calendar, whether that's a tea in the morning before everyone gets up. There just, there's got to be something where you have some space, like some thinking space. And we're not listening to podcasts and we're not reading and we're not like, we're just that space to be, whether that's meditation, the women that I work in don't like meditation. We're usually far, like our nervous system dysregulation is far too off for meditation to be a good practice at that point. But um, asking yourself what could bring more pleasure to this moment a few times a day and figuring that out. Is it sitting so you're in the sun? Is it a quick walk around the block, turning on some music and dancing, you know, drinking, buying a new mug and drinking your coffee out of that? Like what is one little action that you could take for more pleasure? Because yeah, pleasure begets pleasure. So that it's like, it's, it's contagious. So we've got to start small and hmm. Having a sisterhood in a community is, is fundamental because we, you need to see other women living life this way. And that at the beginning, because again, I was trained in a clinical model and I was doing this work one-on-one. I thought like people are never going to want to do this in groups. Like it's so, there's so much shame and like talking about femininity and sexuality, like they're never going to want to do it in groups. And then again, thank COVID. And I did, I tried a group and like the healing was amazing. It was so therapeutic for women to hear other women's stories and just like their shoulders would drop and they'd feel seen and heard. And, And there's this quality to that 
community that is amazing. So, um, yeah, groups of, of like-minded women is one of the fastest ways we can heal and change this. I agree. It helps you feel very seen and they're like, Oh, I'm not alone. Actually, I'm not alone. And, you know, I love to say, you know, when women sit together in circle, whether it's virtually or in person, um, and my teacher Jane would also say this is that, you know, the circle becomes the healer, not you being the healer for yourself. It's that every single person in that circle is a teacher and a student. And, you know, even if I'm hosting the circle or you're hosting the circle, even though we might be the teachers, everybody's a teacher. So when someone shares their story, another woman's like, oh my God, she's talking to me. I know that feeling like I've been there too. And that's where, you know, we start to recognize that we're all students and we're all teachers and that that's the healing, you know, that's the shaman you could say. So I love that. Dr. Jordan, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we could just, I, I feel like we could just keep talking forever, but I won't keep you all night because it is nighttime for you. I don't want you to feel burnt out after this podcast episode. <laughs> yes. I'm going to rest tonight. <gasps> Fantastic. Especially as you welcome in your next bleed. So I'd love to share with our listeners, how can they find you? What's the best avenue to find resources, connect with your own podcast, the pleasures, principles, I believe your podcast is called. Um, yes. so how can they connect with you? So to connect with me, Instagram is the best way at Dr. Jordan Wiggins, Jordan with an I, um, you hope you can link it. I will them. link Hopefully, it. Hopefully. Yeah. My Instagram is the best way. Send me a DM. I will get back to you. It's me in there. Sometimes it takes a couple of days, but I will get back to you. And yeah, my podcast, the pleasure principles podcast is probably the best place to start. Cause that will lead to the resources and info and all, all the rest. Amazing. You're fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. I have one. Thank you final, so much. You are very worth it. I have one final question and we're actually completely switching gears here. So I want you to think back Jordan to your younger menstrual self. So when you got your first period, I asked this question to all of our guests, so spinning tires a bit here. What are three things that you wish you had have known then in your life at that age about your cycle that you now know today? That it shouldn't be painful. To listen to and trust my body. And rest. Mm. Thank you. I love it. There's so many things you could add, right? <laughs> it's like three. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah, there. Yeah. And I was my, my mom was away when I got it for the first mm. time. So it, yeah, I just that whole like feminine support, I think is, it's so necessary and it's what the world needs right now. It is what the world needs. The women that earth needs now is these women. So Dr. Jordan, thank you so much for being here. You've been amazing. And I'm sure everyone's thoroughly learned a lot from you and love listening to you. Thanks so much for having me, Gemma. 
Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.